So today's podcast is all about the moral significance of the decisions that we make early in life that bring us benefits, but then expose us or expose a later version of ourself to serious costs later on. Now, to kick us off with this, I'd just like to share a story about an encounter that I had with a person whose life's trajectory had quite, quite profoundly instantiated this phenomenon. One day, I was taking a walk through a park and, and a man called out to me and he was sitting on the floor because he'd fallen out of his wheelchair and he didn't have any legs and so he couldn't get back into the chair on his own so he, he asked me to lift him up. He asked me to help him back into his chair, which, which I managed to do. It turned out he'd lost his legs after a motorcycle accident some years before when he, when he was a young man. And he used to enjoy, you know, riding his bike around really fast and it was lots of fun and he was really into it. And on one occasion he was you know, overtaking a car at high speed and he collided with a vehicle coming in the opposite direction. And that's how he got his life-changing injury. And he now thought, he thought that his younger self, he regarded his younger self as, as an idiot, right? As someone who's acted wrongly and selfishly, right? He'd, he'd pursued these thrills uh, early in life without taking seriously um, the costs that he might be imposing on his later self, i.e. who he was now when I met him. Now, this is a sad story. It's, it's a pretty extreme case, right? But I think we can all relate to this on, on, on some level because all of us in our lives, we, we, we do make decisions early on that might bring us benefits, but that might expose us to some kind of cost later on. And I think there's a real, there's a real question here about, about the ethics of this. You're listening to Dialogues. Today on Dialogues, we are talking to Caroline West, who's a philosopher from the University of Sydney, about personal identity and groups. Hi, Dan. Lovely to be here. And here with us today are Holly. Hello. And Richard. Hi. So, Caroline, can you tell us a bit more about your project? I'd love to. So I'm interested in a, a way that we treat groups differently from individuals. So we, we tend to think that it's not OK for groups or collections of individuals to make decisions that force members of the group to live a certain way, regardless of whether the individuals want to live that way or not. So we, we think that um, groups that force members to go along and attend a particular church, even when the members uh, don't want to do that, or which force... Uh, girls to um, be brought up and take on traditional gender roles against the will of the girls. We think it's not legitimate for groups to force uh, individual members to do things like that in the name of the good of the group. Um, but then there's a, quite a contrast. When it comes to individuals, we think it's fine for me now to make all sorts of decisions that uh, bind later stages of me, my future self, if you like, to a certain life situation, um, regardless of whether my future self uh, would have chosen that situation or is likely to choose that situation or would feel good about um, the decision. So we think it's fine for me now to decide to pursue a career in, say, philosophy, even though maybe the chances of getting a job are not great, or to enter the priesthood, or to take on a huge mortgage um, and commit myself to a lifetime of uh, mortgage repayments. Maybe some of us think it's, it's fine for me to blow my super, such as it is, on a huge 
fantastic, fabulous round the world holiday um, with the result that my future self is going to be destitute. So I'm interested in why it is that we think that um, individual autonomy, which involves binding a future self to a certain life situation in which they had no say and from which they can't escape, um, why that's okay, but it's not okay for groups to treat um, individual members in that way. That's really interesting, Caroline, and I'm looking forward to asking you more about it. But first, let's find out what some people on the street think. Hey guys, can we interrupt your peace and quiet for a couple of minutes? Sure. So it's easy to wrong other people, right, by imposing costs on them. Mm. But do you think it's, it's possible to similarly wrong your future self by doing stuff that benefits you now and hurts them 20, 30 years? Have you done hurts wrong to them? me? Yeah, probably. Like, I could work harder now. But then future me would have, a, have no... You know, the past... The fun now is worth more than fun in the future. It works the same way. The time value of fun. Like, I'll look back on these years better if I had fun. And I'll be maybe less wealthy in the future, but... So we shouldn't go to uni. We should just drop out. Let's just go straight to Europe. Let's just go straight to Europe. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is get examples from folks of cases where you did something in the past that benefited you then but had costs later on. Have you got any examples of your, from your own lives of, of that kind of thing? That's a kind of very tough question. Um, but yeah, I think um, um, for me, decision to come to Australia uh, and study in Melbourne Uni was a very fun thing to do uh, because I was a career diplomat in my country back home. So, and I came here just to study, uh, just to enhance my knowledge, uh, my skills, and it was quite fun two years. Um, but I didn't, I gained some skills. But now, when I'm just graduating and I just find this country very like nice to live or be reside here so my career which was back in my home is actually going away from my hands you know so i don't know sometimes you have benefits i would say that i completely changed my style of life being a different person uh, learn so much but at the same time i would say that i lose something so if i can push you a little bit on that you say you're now a different person i mean is that literally true like yeah that's literally true in a term of that uh, uh, I did my bachelor degree from Russia, Moscow, so I was coming completely from different kind of ideological background. So, and coming here, I'm completely being with completely different kind of environment. Do you think you can wrong your future self? Do you think you can do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think even like if you do make mistakes, like even early in your life, I still kind of believe that you always have opportunity to like kind of like mend them. Like, and like, even if you've like done mistakes like in the past that like aren't beneficial to what you want, like 20 years later, I still think that you have like a chance to fix that. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. So the older self, if they're upset at what you've done, they should just deal with it to some extent. Um, deal with it yeah. and then find a, a way to solve it like that will be beneficial for them. So one thing that was interesting um, there and the people we talked to is that they seem to be, well, one of them seems very clearly think that it was obvious that you could wrong your future self, but that's not that obvious to me. I mean, I don't necessarily think of myself as having a duty to who I'm going to be in the future. So it seems like they must think that there is some other person that they're wronging later on, because we normally think that um, the only people we can wrong are other people. So that seems to kind of support your idea that the, the uh, individual personal identity relation is a bit like the, the group identity relation. Yeah, I think that's right. We tend to think that we can, you know, that, that morality and talk of moral wrongs comes up you know, in, this, in these other regarding contexts. And we tend to think that when it's your future self, it's not another, it's you. Um, the very same thing 
present at some future point. But I suppose one of the things that interests me is that um, the idea that we persist through time self-identically, that it's one and the very same thing um, in the future as it is now, and that's why it's OK for me to make all these decisions on behalf of my future self, if you like, because, you know, the very same thing lives with the consequences of the decision as the thing that made it. That view is actually fairly controversial among a lot of philosophers now. They think that the, the right way to think about personal identity is it's not like you persisting through time, wholly present now and then, you know, wholly present tomorrow and then the day after and so on. Rather, what individuals are, individual sort of persisting persons over time, just a special sort of group, um, collections of sort of numerically distinct things present occurring at each time at which a person exists. So perhaps the best way to think about it is by analogy with um, spatial parts. So, you know, just as um, someone is... Uh, you, we have all sorts of spatial parts, heads and limbs and stomachs and things, um, and we're extended through space. On um, a view known as four-dimensionalism, persisting objects, including persons, are extended through time. So when I'm talking to you now, it's not the whole of me talking to you, it's just a part of me, a particular sort of temporal part of me. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, so the future self that I make decisions on is actually not identical with me at all. Rather, it's a numerically distinct thing. Um, but we're bound together by relations of qualitative similarity and causal dependence. But notice that the very same thing's true of groups as well. Groups are collections of distinct individuals that are united by... Um, well, actually, it's a sort of interesting question how we individuate groups, but maybe by common history or whatever. Um, so metaphysically on that view, if you think about um, what's involved in um, personal identity over time and what's involved in group identity, both out of time and over time, they're very similar from that point of view. You've got sort of these numerically distinct things glued together, not by the relation of strict identity, but just by kind of causal dependence and similarities in various ways and so on. So, yeah, it's, I, I like the idea that, the, that um, was suggested that you can harm your future self because that's very in keeping with the way there's a numerically, there's this other thing in the future there and you can wrong it. So this view of um, persons as kind of collections of stages at a time, I think that came up in something that the first person commented on. So they were sort of expressing the view that um, it seemed to me you should sort of privilege a certain package of those um, person stages or whatever we want to call them. It said something like just be young and have fun as though something like the, the stages of me aged 17 to 30 should get all the glory and fun and then the later ones sort of pay the price or suffer. Yeah. And I guess I just thought that was quite interesting in parallel to thinking about groups because as you said um, earlier on, if we just had certain members of groups uh, like men oppressing women into service of them, they might have a lot more fun, um, but we think that's wrong. We don't think that some members of groups should suffer so that other members of the group or the group overall um, is better off. Yeah, um, so there's sort of a, a, a asymmetry there, if you like. Right. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of times we are inclined to criticise um, great imprudence in the uh, individual case. So, you know, if someone 
really does something which um, is going to be uh, fun now but absolutely terrible for their future self. And it's obvious that that's going to happen. Um, then uh, sometimes we say, look, that's irrational, you shouldn't do that. Interestingly, we tend not to say it's, Im it's immoral or whatever. Mm. Um, my, my suggestion is perhaps we should be more inclined to say it's immoral. But we, we do, notice that we do, we do um, when you think about, um, as an ex-smoker, I feel like I can say this. People used to say this all the time, you know, like, how, you know, it's kind of completely irrational. What are you doing, you know? And this, and it, I used to say, but I love it so much, you know. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, you're condemning your future self to, you know, um, not a great fate in life. Uh, so, again, we think there's something wrong with that, but we tend not to think of it in moral terms. So I, I, I take your point. But my question is whether we should think of it more in moral terms. Because uh, when you think about it, in you know, there's a kind of tyranny of the current person stage, really. You're the, the current person stage has the reins of power, right? They can decide to do, you know, all sorts of things within their power that can be good or bad for your future self. So perhaps we should start thinking more seriously about, well, do you have moral obligations to your future self? Um, and, you know, just like we have moral obligations perhaps to future generations, some people think. It's still been very congenial to, to your view, so I wanted to push back a little bit. So it's on the on the view you sketched that we're just uh, time time slices stuck together in the same and uh, the different stages of ourselves are just like the different portions of groups. That seems radically revisionary, right? It seems like it's in tension with another one of the things that was said in the people we talked to. So they said, I want to have great fun so I can look back at the fun. But if, if it was just like a group, it'd be kind of strange to look back in that way, right? There'd be nothing to look back on. I mean, we kind of think that we're things that persist over time so that we, when we're older, can think about how much fun we had. That was us, right? That, that's important. But on, on your view, does that make sense? Or? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. I think it makes sense in the group case too, because in the group case, I mean, because actions take time. Everything sort of happens over time in that way, even in the group case. And I think groups, you know, group members look back and think about, you know, fun they had with individuals and all of that. I think there are lots of revisionary aspects of of this um, view. So there, there are different ways you could go with this view of personal identity. But I'm I'm tempted to think that individual autonomy is very overrated. Uh, we we, sh we should think that, um, you know. Tyranny is wrong in the individual case, just like it's sort of wrong in the group case. So I think we should think of the current person stage as much more like the man who's like, hey, I'm having fun, but I'm condemning these other things to, you know, have a pretty dismal time. Is there a point at which that can go too far? Because I can sort of imagine thinking... Uh, I need to be really careful not to constrain my future self. So I better just radically keep its options open. And that, that, in a way that that might go so far as to never give me any meaningful projects whatsoever, right? I'm just yeah. keeping my options open yeah. until I die. Um, is there a worry of that? Yeah, I think there is. It reminds me a little bit about... So I, I think best not to keep your options so open that that no one, no, no stage of you can have uh, a, a, a meaningful time. But... Um, it reminds me a little bit about, of, of debates about genetic engineering where you're sort of thinking are there some sorts of intervention that it's okay to do so we tend to think that therapeutic interventions are all right but what about enhancements mm, and good. some people think enhancements are okay but only when they preserve autonomy which means you know give give um your future genetic, genetically modified offspring, lots and lots of options. Mm. So I suppose you're, you have a, you might have a similar worry 
about that. You you don't want to give them, you know, leave them so open that they can't um, make meaningful choices, but uh, open enough that yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, so I want to pick up on something that came in one of the last comments. Uh, the the lady who said or suggested that there's always a sense in which the later self can adjust. Or, or deal with what you've given them, right? And now you might argue that the, the later self is a different person from the earlier self. Compatible with that, I think, is the view that, well, they're still a product of your earlier self, right? They, they, they still result from what your earlier self did and, and chose, and, and they weren't, they're not there in any prior sense. And that's one, di that's one difference, I think, between individuals, even if they are stages of different people and, and, and groups, right? Um, the members of a group just, just aren't products of each other in the, in, in the same way. So maybe that does complicate. It's not clear what, the, what, what conclusion to draw from that, but that, that perhaps does complicate the idea that I'm morally obligated to my later self if my, who my later self is actually varies with what I actually do. Hmm. So what do, you, what do you think about that? Um, so I think there's some truth to that. There's also, you know, the causal connections between your current self and your future self are much more... Um, much closer and, and more direct um, often in the individual case than they are in the group case. I mean, there still are all sorts of causal influences at work in the group case as well, you know, when... So you, it's not like we live... Group members live in isolation from each other. They're, they do things that have all sorts of influences on each other. But, yeah, in the individual case, it's, it's very, it seems very much more direct, you know, that what you choose to do now, pursue a career in philosophy or whatever it is, it, it has a very direct impact on your um, future self. So they're, they're those, those closeness, the causal connections. I think that is actually an important point because if you wanted to try and say you know, sort of try and draw a wedge between the individual case and the group case. One obvious way of doing it is by saying, look, in the group case, um, group leaders can, they can um, refrain from causally affecting group members um, if they want to. Whereas in the individual case, the current person stage can't do that. Um, like, in inevitably. And so... Many philosophers think that there's a sort of ought implies can sort of principle, you know, that you're not morally obliged to do things which you... or to refrain from doing things which you can't help, which you've sort of got no control over. So you might try and say, well, look, in the individual case, the reason why it's um, OK for... You know, we should try and stop oppression where we can, but the, the point is that in the individual autonomy case, we sort of can't stop um, the oppression because it's... It's inevitable, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that's potentially one sort of way maybe of pushing back against the view that I'm running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You've been listening to Dialogues. I'm the current time slice of Richard Rowland from <laughs> the Australian Catholic University. This is Holly Lawford-Smith from the University of Melbourne. And I'm Dan Halliday, also from the University of Melbourne. And I'm Caroline West from the University of Sydney. And Dialogues is funded by the University of Melbourne.